0: Welcome back to another episode of Because of BDRs. I have a good friend of mine, Ben, here. Um, amazing story, amazing trajectory and journey that he's currently on and will continue to elevate on. But enough about me. Ben, welcome to the show. And uh, for those who don't know who you are, if they're watching or listening to this, how would you describe who you are and what you do?
1: first of all, thanks. Thanks for having me, Kian. Thanks. Thanks for bringing me on your podcast. Really, really excited for for the next hour with you. Um, about me, my name is Ben Muthen. I'm uh, from Munich, Germany, 32 years old, currently the head of sales with Deskbird, And parallel to that, I want my own little consultancy consulting, small seed stage all the way to A-series startups in their go to market structure. And parallel to that, I also give sales
0: trainings to bdrs quite a lot brilliant and i actually reached out to Ben because if you look at his linkedin which i'll leave in the description if they're if you listen to this on spotify watching this on youtube because his content was very very relatable to a lot of people in cells um and you built up quite quite a following from that just before we get deeper into how you got to where you are now which is an amazing position Um, i want to touch a little bit about your on your content which is what stood out for me why do you think your content is so relatable to people ben
1: well i hope it's relatable and 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 i'm quite quite happy to hear that that you feel this way and i hope many others do as well i try in my my content and what i post to never present myself or my job or anything i do as something that it isn't i think Building an authentic personal brand is is about being authentic, right? I mean, it's about not, not pretending to be the greatest head of sales on the planet. Uh, and just talking about your struggles, real honestly, I post a lot about my learnings in leadership, learning on the job. Um, I talk about how I got to, to where I am today from starting out as an SDR to going through the AE journey and everything that I did right on that journey that got me to my head of sales position today but also all my failures and they are plenty there are many of them and i think speaking about that honestly attracts a lot of people that say like oh wait so there's a there's someone who's already head of sales and they also struggled with that they also went through that they also failed a quarter they also messed up a deal oh wow that's that that's cool and i think or i hope that attracts more more followers and uh um, give something positive back in that that community that I love being a part of so
0: much definitely um, if you haven't checked out Ben's page I'll leave all the links in the description but you mentioned something crucial there which is something I know about you um, that journey from SDR can can we take it back to, to where this all started uh, for the people who are learning about you now how did you get to this position that you are now or better yet where did it start
1: well i'm not sure how far you want to go back so i'll i go a little further back than starting as an sdr because there's always a story before the story right Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean coming out of high school i was quite an average student in high school not any good not terribly bad Um, but i made it i made it through didn't apprenticeship training in for three years um, in the field of logistics because I didn't know what else to do, as many as many people do coming out of school. They don't know what they want to spend their life doing. They don't know what kind of career they want to, uh, they want to do. So they just start doing something. And that was very much me. And uh, after um, another year after that apprenticeship of doing that, I realized um, this is not me. This is not what I want to do with my life. I want to do something entirely different, but I didn't know what that might be. Uh, But what I did know what I like is traveling, so I got myself on a plane, flew to Australia and uh, a short trip overseas turned into five years of living in Australia and doing a bunch of really random jobs, which was honestly the greatest recipe for finding out what I truly enjoy doing, what I'm good at and also what I'm not good at. So for the first two years in Australia, living kind of the typical backpacker Australia lifestyle. Um, I tried myself at honestly everything. I was working on a cattle farm, uh, driving around on a quad all day, bringing, bringing in the cows. Um, I was working on an apple farm, picking apples. I was flipping burgers. I was driving taxis. I was working in a surf camp, doing a bunch of random jobs and really learning through that process of this are things I enjoy. This is things I don't enjoy. And eventually um, I landed a job in fundraising, which was stopping random people on the street or go door knocking and tell them about amazing charities that I represented. I, amongst others, I represented Make-A-Wish Foundation. Um, and I found that's something I'm really passionate about. That's really cool. That's something I can get behind. So I learned like, if I wanna talk about a product to be a product that I can represent, that I, that I can be proud to, to put my name on it. Um, and I also learned that I'm apparently quite good at sales. Um, so. Fundraising was my first sales job. From there, I accepted another sales role in a travel agency. And I was then selling um, Australia and Southeast Asia packages to other fellow backpackers. And um, that got me started. And from there, the door opened up to um, start my own first uh, first business, which I then did for the next three years afterwards, which was in the field of um, importing fire protection equipment into Australia. And my first touch points with B2B sales. did that for three years and that's kind of the pre-story to becoming a bdr so before i became a bdr sdr i learned that i like sales i learned that i should only sell products that i can really get behind and uh, and truly say hey i'm passionate about this this is an amazing product that honestly helps people um and that laid the foundation for me becoming an sdr um, and that is what got me a great start as an sdr so then Got the job uh, when I was back in Germany with Showpad, amazing company. Puts every sales rep through really, really good uh, sales school, sales training. They got amazing enablement. And after eight short months of being an SDR with them, I became a junior AE. Um, was a junior AE for a while, then uh, became a mid-market AE. Eventually, after two years and a bit, I think two and a half years with Showpad, I received an amazing offer to go into enterprise sales with Asana, um joined them they went i p o while I was with them, which was an amazing experience to be at a company while they while they go i p o while they become a publicly traded company and I got to learn everything about enterprise sales and from there about uh, a little less than a year ago, I moved uh, to the next company, which is desperate where I'm now the head of sales
0: amazing amazing i uh, there's so much to unpack there there's there's a few things that I would have asked you Ben, but firstly about the story before the story how crucial is it to take what you learn before you before you become an SDR before you break into tech um into into moving into tech because a lot of people underestimate the value of the skills that you may pick up for jobs that you may find unrelatable
1: no, absolutely. And there's a lot of there's a lot of misconception around that because there's SDRs that move quite quickly up the ladder and go into an AE role or a customer success role or any um, role um, that can come after uh, after SDR. There's people that do it like me in eight months. I've seen as, as little as, as as four to six months. I've also seen people do it for for two to three years staying in the SDR role. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think it really depends on what you've done before. So you shouldn't say, all right, SDR is a starting point and you should get to AE or whichever position you want to do as quick as possible. It all depends on the knowledge that you can acquire and when when you're ready for it. So building knowledge in other industries, maybe even industries you later want to sell to and building certain skills and uh, and and just becoming comfortable with who you are as a seller or who you are in general, what makes you as a person, what are you passionate about, what are your talents, what are the fields you want to build on and what are fields where you're like this is just not me i I don't enjoy doing it if you find that out before that's going to go a very long way in making you successful as a seller later on
0: definitely definitely um and my co-host brandon we actually said this in a prior episode we said that it's so important to hear from people who maybe felt it wasn't for them obviously ben's an example of someone who it was for but as you mentioned ben it's it's good to find out what's for you and what's not for you, um, you dive between, you know, from an SDR all the way up to the A.E. roles. But could you go a bit more into detail about starting from the SDR position, how that was for you?
1: Well, coming coming in into the uh, into Showpad was actually quite and quite an adventure. I knew nothing about software. I knew nothing about ZAS. I didn't know all the vocabulary, all the acronyms that that you have to learn. I was not very techie at all. Um, I didn't even know how to use a MacBook and I got invited from a recruiter who helped me to find the right role for me when I uh, came back to Germany to go to an interview with Showpad. I remember there were about 30 candidates there and me not knowing anything about the tech industry. I showed up in a full suit, uh, suit and tie, you know, everybody else there in shorts and and sneakers and t-shirts because they obviously knew more than me. They knew it's all pretty casual and many of them with a master's degree some of them already with an mba some with a bachelor um and then me coming from like three years of working for myself i was like there's no chance i'm gonna get this job no chance in the world went through several interviews all on the same day and essentially all i could say to most questions they asked me which i didn't know about was i do not know the answer to that but if you're looking for someone who is willing to learn day and night and give it 110 percent i'm your candidate if you look for someone who already knows it all I'm probably not the guy for you. Uh, so I was just being very, very honest there. And to my surprise, they rang me up three hours after that group interview and were like, you're the guy, we want you for the job. <laughs> and I was I was really amazed and and, and very happy. And they made, made me a great offer um, at the time, um, which was just very good salary for me. Um, so I, I accepted it. And uh, the onboarding happened to be in the headquarter in, in Belgium. And they flew me in there, and that was the first time in my career a company would pay for a flight for me to go anywhere. And um, and I walked into the headquarters. It was an amazing headquarter that Chopat has um, in in Ghent, beautiful city in Belgium, uh, with like people riding around on scooters, on hoverboards, like while coding on their laptop, and people playing ping pong. Then there was this huge pit of like lazy boys um, to 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 sit in, and it was also more than a nice big kitchen with snacks. And to many people this is quite normal, but to, to me in my background, that wasn't that was the first time I ever seen anything like this. I was like, people work like this. this is real like work can look like this at the same time though I thought like oh they must they must have been mistaking hiring me like clearly they think I can code or anything like this um but i but I couldn't and then the the onboarding started rolling and it was quite tricky because I didn't know most things that were basic for for other people that I was onboarding with like when we were talking about entering things in the CRM. I was like, what's a CRM? I don't know. But I couldn't let anybody know because I was so nervous that they like typical imposter syndrome, that they would find out that I don't know anything. Um, So I sat there with my little book and wrote down all the vocabularies that I didn't know. What's a PIM? What's a CRM? Uh, What's a webhook? How does an API function? And I had no idea of any of that. And in the evening, all the group that I was onboarding with, they they went out to party to have drinks in Ghent, which is a great city for that. But I stayed in the hotel watching YouTube videos, literally just typing in my questions. There was no chat GBT back then. So I was typing in into YouTube. What's the CRM and, and why do people need it? What's, what's this? What's that? Like literally typing in my question, watching videos of it all night, coming prepared for the next day. And so I had a learning curve that was very, very steep. And the one thing that I had going is I wasn't afraid of cold calling because I had done that before. So in my second month after the onboarding, I was already hitting top numbers over achieving targets. And I was very quickly, within my first quarter, recognized as one of the, one of the best BDRs um, at Showpad at that time. Um, they knew I had closed before, they knew I've done full cycle before, given in an entirely different field. So the company invested a lot of training into me to uh, ramp me up to AE fairly quickly. So it was a combination of being at the right place at the right time, but also bringing the right skills and being hyper eager to, to learn and not fail. I think fear of of failure and a little bit of imposter syndrome was was a healthy mixture for me to propel me to just give it my very best. And that helped to get to the AE offer after six months. I then declined that offer actually the first time they offered because I wasn't feeling ready. I was still a bit uh, feeling like just not just not ready for it. I looked at the AEs as like as stupid as that sounds, they were like, Overly cool people for me, you know. Uh, I was so much looking up to them and how they got celebrated for closing deals. And I was like, I'm, I'm just not that guy yet. Give me, give me another quarter to, uh, to, to learn to prepare myself. And then when they asked a the second time two months later, I was like, yeah, all right, let's go, let's do that.
0: Love it, love it. I feel sometimes, you know, to where you're right now, which we'll get to, it was kind of written for you. You know, you did have the traits, as you mentioned, to always continue to learn to sort of beat that imposter syndrome to check if it was there even um and obviously to prove to yourself that that you could do the role all of these little things are sometimes things that people miss but you managed you manage to do them and then from that point ben can you take us up to maybe just just before you are where you are now
1: Right. So then I became an AE, obviously super eager, super motivated to be just as successful as I was as a BDR. And like most people who become AE, um, you quickly realize it's not as easy (laughs) as some AEs make it look That are more seasoned. I don't think I was, um, people always, always think like, oh, you became a head of sales so fast from your SDR, you must have been hyper successful as an AE. That's not actually true. Um, In my first year, I was not, good at all i was tanking so many deals um not knowing anything about proper qualification and proper finding out about the timelines bringing different stakeholders in the game um, closing negotiating giving great demos um, just building good rapport that's all skills you you have to really learn and continuously train so my first year didn't go so well i think i ended on like 60 percent of target for the year so nothing spectacular uh but it was it was a great, great draining crowd, and uh, again, Showpad, uh was and I believe still is a company that heavily invests in the enablement of their people. so they really helped me in the second year. Uh, it was a super successful year for me as an a year. that was really, really good. and from there the offer came to go to Azana to work in enterprise sales, which on one side I knew, okay, just two years as a mid- market rep, I'm probably a little underqualified, let's be honest. But at the same time, I looked at Asana. I was like, "What a chance! What an amazing company! Um, chance to work for a Silicon Valley unicorn doesn't come around any day." Uh, plus, going into enterprise early, and I said, "Well, I performed well in the past when I was back to the wall. Let's let's do it. Let's let's get it done." Um, and I accepted the role, started doing that, and it went kind of similar to how my experience with Soapet went as an AE. So I first had to do a year of grind and learn. And all of a sudden deals were much bigger than they were before. I had to handle even more stakeholders, organize myself in an entirely different way. I was all of a sudden doing a lot of upsells and cross sells as well, working with a book of business, going from working with on 600 accounts that I could touch in my patch at Showpad to 50 accounts. They were all very large um, with with Zana. So huge changes, again, relearning, reshuffling myself. What helped me a lot is I always believed in having mentors and having coaches Um, so i got myself some really experienced enterprise aes as coaches at the time that really really helped me mentored me and parallel to that i've been working with um, a mindset coach that just helped me get through those tough uh, phases of imposter and being like i shouldn't be here everybody on the team is so much more older more experienced better than me and starting to question those false false beliefs and really tackling them head on and that helped me to propel again in the second strong year but out of out of the 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 four and a half years i was in AE for there were two years where i wasn't doing great and there were two years where i was doing great so the assumption that people have that i got to where i am by being the, the best all the time that's that's very wrong i got to where i am by not accepting that I wasn't good and continuously learning and working on myself and embracing the pain of not being good and then saying, like, all right, what can I do to get better? Who can I ask? Who can help me along the way? Which people can I seek out that already know what I need to learn? And that that made a huge difference. And after my second year with Asana, one of my one of my closest friends and business partner in my side hustle, Jacob, um, He accepted a role with a Frankfurt based startup called Paperless, and he became um, a co-founder for them, built the entire go to market structure with them. And I just looked at what he was doing and how with the same background that I had, because we did most of our steps parallel, he was all of a sudden raising an entire sales organization himself. And I didn't think that was an option, but he said, look, if you join a small enough startup, they'll actually be happy to to have you. And they'd be super open to your own ideas. I was like, well, if ever a cool small startup where I say they have an amazing product and a cool founder team. And if, if they reach out to me and they ask me to build their sales team for them, I'm gonna say yes. And um, it was almost like manifesting it because literally a week later, exactly that happened. The founder of Deskbird, Ivan, he reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, Hey Ben, you're in Munich, I'm in Munich. Uh, I, I realized our office is only 200 meters apart. I want to catch up for a coffee. and see if we can chat about a head of sales position that desperate I was like all right let's talk let's let let's do it
0: and uh that's how that's how i ended up in that position yeah amazing and we're gonna dive deeper into that um amazing story as well ben and there's two m's that you've mentioned uh or that i've taken from your description of of up to this point where you've described and that's mindset and and mentorship and um if you're watching or listening to this, and and you probably wouldn't know, but I actually reached out to to Ben to speak to him about his journey, to to get to know him more, um, almost from a mentorship standpoint, and um, I consider him a friend now, and I've learned a lot from him. The other week, we we had a chat before recording this, where we were just talking about a load of things that I could learn from, and I have I have seen you know a lot of successful people use mentors in the correct way but you've also got a pretty good mindset um i want you to tell the listeners you know how you've how you've created that mindset where does it come from and possibly how you've used mentors or people with more experience to to get where you are now as well
1: all right so i think there's there there's two sides there's there's also mindset is Nothing that people look at uh, look at other people and say, oh, they got such a great mindset, which is a key factor of their success, as if something that's given to you either as birth or you just have it or you don't. Um, but that that's not at all the case. Mindset is something that 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 you train, and there's so many different different ways to do that, and different things will work for different people. I mean, there's the there's the classic affirmation training of standing in front of the mirror, telling yourself, hey, you're a great guy, and you're gonna perform well today personally i'm not i'm not that guy you probably won't won't see me won't see me do that uh, that too much uh, for me it's talking with more experienced people so it, for me it ties in with mentorship and um actually learning that um the great picture you have of, of of successful entrepreneurs out there of successful people, they all struggled they all went through similar things and no matter who you look at no matter how successful they are I guarantee you, they got there by going through struggle and going through a lot of failure, and realizing that, and talking to these people told me, hey, they are they're just normal people. Um, my VP of sales, the CEO of this and that company, they are just everyday normal Joes as well, um, and they struggle as well, and they got private problems as well. So if they can do it, and they are just normal people, then why couldn't I? And you, you, I, for me, the secret was getting there through conversation. I love taking long walks in the evening, calling random people in my network and just chatting the same way as you said, like we chatted last week and I always take something out of the conversation. And and, and to me, my mindset really goes back to realizing it's okay to fail um, as as long as you learn from it and realizing that all people who achieved anything in life got there through adversity, through try and failure, through making a lot of errors along the way, and just keeping going. So many people stop like a meter before they're close to success, as cheesy as that sounds, because they're like, ah, I failed too bad. I guess I'm not cut out to be successful in this or that sector. That's just not true. The other guy that was successful just got up one more time. Um, and, and that really did the trick for for, for me in terms of mindset. Um, and also it's something that goes up and down. I mean, like I've, I've been talking about imposter and I'd be lying if I if, if I was saying that wasn't still there wasn't still a topic, I still sometimes like look at my team, which is growing by like two three members every month. I'm like, how did I how did I get here? Who honestly believed that I should be in charge of that many people? Um, and I'm like, no, wait, Ben, this is your wrong beliefs again. And and like you start having conversations with with, with yourself and yet you and you remind yourself, hey, if every great leader has been there, has sat in, in your chair and been like, what am I even doing here? And they all just carried on um and then when it comes to mentors um i think it's a must i think if you want to be successful in anything not just tech sales it's an absolute non-negotiable and i'm always so surprised when when i talk to young bdrs young aes in the beginning of their career and they're like "Ah, oh, ben i wish I, I wish i had a mentor but um, i wouldn't even know where to find one i'm like aren't you a bdr isn't like your job literally to research potential clients that fulfill some specific traits that make them interesting, and then find a way to gain their attention, reach out to them and convince them to get in a meeting with you. Could you not just do that with mentors as well? Because that's how I found all my mentors. Find people who obviously buy their CV, which is on LinkedIn, it's public. Have done have achieved exactly what I want to achieve. Put some comments in on on their posts engage with them a little bit, send them a friendly message, don't pitch slap them. And eventually, same way as you reached out to me, I just said like, hey, actually, I would absolutely uh, enjoy a quick coffee chat with you. It'd be super valuable for me for X, Y and, and Z reasons. I realize you're probably a very busy guy, but would you would you have some time? And with some of these people, I just had chats and, and got some valuable information. With other people, it really clicked where they then later offered like, Hey, if you want to make that a bit of a regular thing, I would love to be your buddy to help you to get to that next promotion, get to the next level. Let's let's chat regularly or I ask them directly. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. And that's how I got to my to to the mentors I've been working with, with some of them. I've been working for years with some of them. I've only been working for a short amount of time to gain one new key skill that I needed at the time.
0: I love that. I love the fact that you said it's a non-negotiable, because now that I do have those mentors, I'm realizing that um and before it felt a bit more like a nice to have but as you can see it definitely works right
1: absolutely 100 percent. it's uh it's such a shortcut
0: it's That's such it. a shortcut
1: to 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 the learning the lessons that you need to learn and when i say it's a non-negotiable it's not a non-negotiable for everyone if you just want to do your job and you're happy with that and you want to do it for the rest of your life you're good you might not need a mentor but if you're ambitious and you actually want to achieve a certain goal then the fastest way to go there to get there is to talk to the people who achieved it before you definitely
0: i want to ask ben um sdr to a to where you are now we're going to dive a bit deeper into where you are now and where you're heading because it's really exciting um but have your reasons for wanting to do well changed um because i haven't asked you that for the viewers and listeners um i think i do know a bit bit about that as a friend but have your reasons for wanting to do world well change change for per different role that you've been in?
1: I I would say so. Yeah. I think I went from being driven by, by fear of failure to being driven by excitement of what is possible. And that's a, that's, that's a huge change in the beginning. I operated by being back to the wall. Like when I entered the show office, I was like, I just can't let anybody find out. I'm not as good as them. Or when I was a, the first time in a mid-market AE, the first time in enterprise AE, um, just make sure nobody realizes I'm not as good as them. Just make sure nobody realize I, might, I, I maybe shouldn't be here. Um, and that can be a great driver. I just think it's unhealthy for your mindset um, and it's not sustainable in the long run. That can drive you in the short run. But after a while, after climbing hurdle over hurdle over hurdle, promotion over promotion over promotion, pay rise over pay rise, you realize like, hold up wait a minute there might be a pattern here like this is not coincidental and coincidental and this is not me just being back to the wall and having to perform because i wouldn't have had to go into the next position so uh, so soon like if all of that was possible what else is possible so all of a sudden now i'm like driven by the excitement wait hold up how far can i take that um I love what I do, I honestly enjoy my 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 work every day, although you will see me super stressed out. It's the end of the quarter, you'll see me running around like a headless chicken being like, Oh, my God, what's going on, we have to get to number. That's part of the fun. But I still I really, really enjoy what I do. I wouldn't want to do any, any other job in the world right now. Um, And that's a fantastic feeling. That's really, really satisfying to be in that place. And also to be able to now help other people in their career, other AEs, other BDRs through mentorship, through my content, through being on podcasts like yours. Uh, so rewarding. It gives me so much back. Um, and I realized this is, this is fantastic. How much, how much better could it even get? What else is out there? What, what else could I, could I learn that would um, get that feeling of excitement about my job and loving what I do to, to, to even higher peaks? So right now it's just mountain climbing for joy, you know? I love that.
0: I love that because a lot of people are afraid that they have the wrong why. But what's important is there is no wrong why. Your why is your why, and it may change, and that's okay, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and it and it should. I mean, like we all grow and develop
0: as we are. That's that's quite normal. Be sad if it wasn't the case. Uh huh. Definitely. And uh, from where you're at now, let's dive deep into that, Ben. It's a very exciting position. Um. For those who may not know what you're doing on a day-to-day basis what's it like and and where are you trying to head to
1: all right so what i do on a day-to-day basis i think the closest comparison that i always uh, always give is i'm operating on an open heart i'm doing open heart surgery in a train going 200 miles an hour um that's very much <laughs> what it feels when i when i joined desperate we were very young i was um the 20-somethings employee at the company uh, two sales reps there. We were doing six, seven hundred K ARR at the time, so uh, still way under a million. That's nine months ago. We are now at three million ARR. Um, we now have uh, ten AEs, four BDRs, uh, two specialists on my team. So right now I got a headcount of uh, around sixteen people. That's steadily growing and going higher. So we're a true rocket ship growing at 500% uh, year over year growth. Uh, the sales team keeps getting bigger. Now, I'm just now at the stage where um, I get to install some middle managers. So uh, I actually just got to promote one of my one of my best AEs to, to regional sales manager, which is super exciting, um, being able to bring him to the next level and to teach him the learnings that I learned from the last nine months of being in a leadership position, passing that on to him, helping him, mentoring him uh, a bit. Um, so that is that is all happening at the same time. Yeah, we're going from um, a small startup to a really professional sales organization. So we're starting to think about revenue operations, sales enablement. I come from that great school of Showpad, where they really enabled me well. So obviously, I'm asking myself, how can I bring in a system like that to and for my reps, and 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 how can Desperate become a sales organization, or just my part that that sales organization that. In a couple of years time when people are not even on the team anymore and might have moved on to another company that they will look back like i look back at Chopin and be like that was the place i really learned that was the place i really grew that was the place where i received great training and mentorship and 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 that's my aspiration and that's what i'm trying to build right now while we're growing so fast while we're hiring so fast while i have interviews every week uh, so it's hectic it's fast paced and it's amazing
0: love it i love it And I just want to I just want to circle back if you would like, because a lot of people, Ben, they may look at the speed that you've done this in. But for example, with me, my original reason for reaching out was I loved your I loved your content, but I'm sure if I focused on the speed with you, you'd probably tell me some things. What would you say to anyone watching, listening, saying, you know, I want to be like Ben, I want to do it in X amount of time?
1: I would say it's good to have a plan like that. Um, I would do- always double check it if it's realistic, um, which can be super individual only because somebody else done it in X amount of time doesn't mean that that is necessarily the right path for you. So one side is being ambitious is great. Having a plan is great. Being realistic is also also great. Uh, so as I said before, like for me, my past there, I, I've done five years in, in software as a service, but I've done 10 years in sales. Um, So that really helped in going fast for people who have not done five years of sales before becoming an SDR, I would say, hey, stay in SDR for two years, learn all these lessons, really dive in. There's so much to learn there. Um, So also speak to more experienced people, back to mentorship, have somebody challenge your timeline, create a plan, be ambitious, and then have somebody challenge, challenge that aspiration. And once you came down to a timeline and an extra plan that works now get that mentor, now work with that person that can help you get there. Speak to your manager as well about how realistic it is to get to point X, Y, and Z in, in this and that time. Um, be be public, be open about it. So you and
0: other people can hold you accountable and then give it everything, go, go for it. Love that. I know one thing that I noticed, Ben, when you were speaking about your current role, I could really see how excited you were to tell me about promoting one of the best aes into a management position and i know that this industry can give people the opportunity to change their life in terms of finances but as i can tell you've got rewards from loads of different things maybe maybe things you didn't think you were gonna uh get rewards for internally could you tell me a bit about how rewarding it can be and what rewards you feel at the moment from being able to do certain things
1: absolutely i mean I as you said it can it can absolutely turn your life around also and especially financially and i would i would say it's definitely done that for me um but at some point yeah you go beyond that and you find things that that can be even cooler like um in the 9 months that i'm here there are three people i promoted from bdr to ae and wow. being the one to do that wow that's that's really 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 cool um now being able to put someone in a management position again really really cool just seeing people progress and knowing that you chipped in on that you you were a part of that journey and they're probably hopefully going to look back in some years time be like yeah part of my journey was actually working with ben Muthen. if anybody ever says that on a podcast i can die a happy man you know like that 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 would be truly truly amazing to to be part of somebody else's success because that's something that just just lives on and, and 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 bears fruit, and that's that's really really beautiful or Another thing that's highly rewarding for me is just the feeling of now sitting on the other side of the table where I was an SDR reaching out to some companies and aE selling to some companies, and now SDRs and aE sell to sell to me a lot of the times, and I sit in demos as the receiver when I talk to sales enablement tools or or data enrichment tools and so on, and um, I actually make it a priority to to give feedback after demos and after cold calls to them and 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 give give back there and um, it's it's uh, yeah it's, it's it's funny being on the, on the buying side now being like, i'm going to treat these aes with a lot more respect than what i received when when i was an ae and, and making that a priority and that's rewarding as well so there's there's a lot of, uh, of of fun upside to to my role right now
0: yeah i love that and um speaking of your role and what you're doing now um if you haven't seen there is an amazing business insider feature that you have for those who are looking to check that out or want to know a bit more ha- about how that came about could you tell the viewers and listeners what the situation was there
1: yeah absolutely that was uh um another one of those uh, random manifestations you could say because my friend jacob who was speaking about earlier he was featured in the business insider like a year ago with his startup and i was so impressed i was like well if the business side of right is insider writes about you like that's that's something that's big. I was I was like, congratulations, mate, you made it. What what an amazing success. And it's like it might happen for you one day, like you never know. I was like, I don't I don't see that. I I don't think that's going to happen. And sure enough, a year later uh, in my just in my normal work in books, an email from a reporter from the Business Insider that just said, like, hey, we have this um, amazing um, amazing thing right now. We write articles about people who uh, make over 100K a year. Um, Technically, nothing special about making 100k a year. There's many people in many professions that do that, but it was about finding people that got there in a unique way. Um, and they said, "Hey, from your CV, from what we heard about you, we we hear you don't have the classic. I went to university, then I went and got my MBA, worked myself up the ladder, now here I'm making over 100k." But it was a bit different with the background of australia trying myself at so many different things failing at many different things and starting my career a bit later than in the in the tech industry and they said we would love to to write down your story literally a full article just your story of how you managed to make over 100k a year so it wasn't about making exactly 100 it was just how did you go beyond that how did you get there and i was like yeah let's let's do it that's amazing um so we did the did the interview um Told my story for a full hour and then it was time to wait for about two, two and a half, almost three months, I believe. And in that time, I got very nervous. I was like, oh my, I never had a, a newspaper write about me uh, or or anything like the Business Insider. What if they spin it in a negative way? Because what I didn't want, and that was very important to me, and I was very explicit about that as well. I was like, last thing I would want is an article that's like, uh, oh, look at me, I make a lot of money. Because that's stupid. Like... I don't want to be that guy because it's not about that. Like, I whether I have a job that I truly enjoy doing every day and make less money, they're making more money, but hating to drag myself to work every day. And 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 that's everybody who knows me knows that I very much stand stand for that and by that. So I was very very nervous on how they're gonna write the article, and then when it got published, luckily they they wrote it very well. They they wrote it in a way covering all my different stations, all the learnings are uh, now shared with you as well. And
0: how I got to, to, to where I am today. Yeah. Brilliant. I'm glad that you didn't go into too much detail because I really want people to go and, to go and watch, uh, to go and listen, uh, read that. So I'll leave the link to that in any comments. And one phrase that you mentioned there, Ben was traditional backgrounds. And I've been having this conversation a lot. Uh, my my host Brandon, he didn't go to university. He's one of the youngest, I think he is the youngest BDR, um, at his firm at the moment. Um, I mean could you tell me a bit more about what you mean by that with the non-traditional background
1: sure i mean there's we always talk about gaps in your cv right or not having the ideal cv and sure like 10 15 years back in some companies still today that's a big thing you gotta have the perfect cv like if you want to go into consulting you want to work for any of the big four if that's your goal you probably need the perfect cv like you need to have be an a student in high school you need to do the right bachelor and graduate well or better even with honors you need to do the right master or mba um, and for some people in some industries that really works but luckily happily we're getting to the time where um, a lot of companies have realized that this is not the only way to do uh, to produce great potential or to find candidates with great potential and there are thousands, millions of people like me who don't fit into that category, fit in that box that still got so much to offer for companies um, that can bring value to them and they might have taken extremely mm-hmm. different pathways. Um, and my hope is that I can, with my career, encourage as many people out there as possible that maybe didn't go to university, maybe didn't get a bachelor, maybe were terrible in school like myself uh, or just average. Um, to still go after it because i believe until i was in my mid-20s i believed like well given that i don't have a bachelor and didn't do great in high school like my maximum potential that's one one thing i wrote in the article that i'm going to give away i thought my maximum p- earning potential was 60k a year i don't remember how i calculated but i said 60k a year that's that's all i will amount to financially somehow that was in my head total false false belief and just based on the facts that i thought you need that bachelor's you need the master's you need need to have the perfect cv and everything i did did not fit into that category that's a lie Um, those days are over they're fantastic amazing careers and doesn't matter what you've done before there's always time left as long as you are willing to go for it
0: to find a job you truly love i love that answer and it's so true um one thing that i want to touch about when we had a conversation recently um, one thing that came away that i came away with is that we spoke about was product market fit now how would you describe anyone who's looking to go into an opportunity for SDRA? they've got the right mindset they've got the mentor the ote looks fabulous i mean do we not talk about this enough
1: well we absolutely do not talk about this enough and there's so many you could call it like fake good offers out there I mean when you're once you're in a E everybody who, who is already in AE, you, you would know when I was well you get hit with an avalanche of recruiter messages on LinkedIn being like ridiculous high amounts of OTE some of them like double or triple what you're making right now yeah come to this company it's going to be amazing you're going to make so much cash and in a lot not in every case but in a lot of cases is rubbish it's all lies because if you ask any ae who works there hey how many of your colleagues actually make their ote the answer would be none zero nil when i was when i was an uh, enterprise AE first year with asana three-year ae i received offers for beyond 300k ote which i was like that that's mental that that that's not right and not fair nobody should nobody should make that with that little experience as i have and then I did it. I did the checks, I called the I called the AEs because like, hey, you know how to outbound, right? Find somebody's number, pick up. Hey, mate, just wondering, does anybody in your company actually hit their target? No, nah, no, nah, nobody gets beyond 40% here. Then you do the math real quick and you're back to the earning you're doing right now. So would you whether over exceed your OTE at a company where that's actually possible, where targets are set realistically, where there's a great product that's right for the market at the right time, has a clearly identified ICP, a good sales motion, a great sales team and a great sales leader but make a little less OTE. Or would you have that amazing inflated OTE that you'll never actually see on your bank account?
0: That's such a huge topic. Definitely. And I think, you know if if we don't talk about these things, if people don't take that into consideration, you may suffer a bit more with that imposter syndrome, p- perhaps because you may not be in the right place. So yeah, these, these are bris- brilliant golden uh, nuggets of information to take away. And from where you're at now, Ben, moving forward, obviously I know from having a good conversation with you, but what's what's next? Which is which is interesting because when I ask a lot of people what's next, um some of the time they say to me, "Kaien, I am where I am now. It takes a long time to sort of build up or establish myself in this position." I think I think you may be quite similar to that. But where do you see yourself moving forward?
1: I'll 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 keep going for sure. <laughs> I'll always keep going because I I find happiness and growth. That's that's where that's where I draw my 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 happiness from. Is continuously growing, so I can't get stuck in. In 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 one place. It doesn't mean I won't be ahead of sales with Desperate for a long time. It just means I will definitely keep keep growing. For now, Desperate is exactly the place I want to be, and I'm I'm very happy. And I've got absolutely zero aspirations or plans to go to any other company. Um, if you'd ask me for 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 my planned growth journey right now, I want to build the sales team so well and to such a size and producing so much ARR that my leadership can reasonably give me a VP title. Um, in the right and fair amount of time i don't think that should be right now not there yet but i love working up toward towards it um and hopefully get there get there one day and i know what i have to do for that um, i know the organization that's that's in my mind and that's aligned with the vision of the company that we need to build that we need to get to so that's that's the target i'm running towards right now that's that's what i get up for i'd love to uh, go from from header sales to vp sales and after that there's so many different paths um that's a way of going um then striving towards a sea level role like a cso or a cro which i know is so much still to learn to get there it seems like um uh, an impossible mountain to climb if only i wouldn't have experience before that you can climb impossible mountains if you just if you just start working on it so i know that's an option another option is um i starting to get very very interested in, in the in the vc game um talking to to investors um that I get to know through desk we're in a funding round right, right now uh, I've been part of a funding round with desperate last uh last summer, and um yeah got to got to know the first v p s and get to learn about their craft and how they evaluate startups and I quite like the idea of later down the road in my uh in my career working with one or several v c s um and being part of investing in promising startups but actually uh, going in as an interim sales leader, um, I think that's something I would truly enjoy doing. If there's a a, a young seed stage or or a Series A startup that that's still at the beginning, to go in there for just a limited amount of time, say one year, and really build their sales organization from the learnings that from everything that I get to learn right now. If I do well, that I could replicate that on on other startups and and help them grow um cuz i think it would be amazing by by the time i end my career to look back at a bunch of successful startups maybe even one of the other unicorn and be like i built that sales team uh, i think that'd be super satisfying sitting as a retired man on my porch in my rocking chair with a pipe and thinking about all the startups that i helped build i i i personally think that'd be pretty cool so there's there's various ways how i could get there and do that and for now, that's uh, I wouldn't call it dreams. I'd call it plans that I'm working towards that are still a bit in the future. But that's that's where I see myself going. Yeah, I love that.
0: I could definitely see that. And I know you'll get there as well. And um, when you're not working, Ben, what type of things do you like to do?
1: Oh, you're going to be so disappointed because it's so such a standard answer. It's such a basic standard answer for us. But I love golf i'm addicted to golf it's the most beautiful sport if you haven't tried it if you're one of the people who haven't tried it you're probably one of the people who are judging it that's until you go and smash your driver 250 300 and you're gonna fall in love with it that day that's truly what i enjoy it's super like meditative to me as well and helps me calm my mind because i got a hectic job it's crazy it's numbers racing through my head all day and then you get to go outside spent five hours walking around beautiful nature focusing on just one simple task and getting that right and um that really calms me down i truly enjoy playing golf there and apart from that um i'm also engaged i'm getting married this year super excited Perhaps. about that that obviously eats up a lot of my free time planning a wedding right now but that's that's another beautiful thing yeah
0: brilliant brilliant ben we're gonna have to do a part two as well because um every time we speak you know, I take something away. And those are the conversations where, you know, I find them electrifying. It's truly like a transfer of energy. Um, I know you're busy. I don't want to flood your inbox up, but I'm sure that if I do say, if you do have any questions, Ben will get back to the wedding can because he's a very, very busy person. But he did respond to me, which I'm very appreciative of. And we've got this friendship now. But I think there are so many lessons in what we've just spoken about from the shortcut. Of having that mentor from product market fit, not just you know accepting any outlandish OTE. From being patient, you don't have to do it in the bend time frame. You'd had that experience before, but finding your own way. Um, for the listeners watching, if they are in any position in the, in the sales sort of uh world or any different sales roles, what are some key summaries you could give them for 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 being successful?
1: Oh, well you you already just did a great summary so it's gonna be gonna be a, a challenge to top that but um, it starts by believing in yourself believing that much more is possible than you think when i was an sdr you you would have told me um where i'll be in five years there's no way i would have believed you i knew i could get to AE. T- so focus on that focus on the next thing that's in front of you go for that go hard when you're there take a quick breather, realize you there, appreciate yourself, look back at what got you there and then start fresh and do it all over again and really learn to enjoy the journey. It's not about arriving at a place. It's about the growth that happens along the way, the people you meet along the way. And that's what brings true happiness to me. And um, I
0: hope it will do that for many other people as well. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Ben thank you for that. I will leave all of Ben's details, including the link to his latest Business Insider article in the description on YouTube. If you're watching it or here on Spotify, it'll also be in the description. Make sure you check out Ben's LinkedIn page. It's just so relatable um, and you'll see a lot of content on there this year. But thank you so much, my friend.
1: Thank you for having me. Really enjoyed the conversation as always. Always happy to come back for part two. Brilliant. Thank you, Ben.